you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, listeners of the Around the NFL podcast, it's your girl, Frags, with a special message just for you. Do you often find yourself quoting the heroes at your place of employment? How is your love life? Does your girlfriend think football is just a game? Ladies, do you wish your man was more like Greg, writing QB index articles instead of building things in his garage while you're trying to watch the game? Maybe you're single and looking to spend some money on some you time. Lucky for you, the Around the NFL podcast will be live in Atlanta for Super Bowl 53. This show will save your marriage, squelch that 12-year fight with your mom, and give you the experience of a lifetime. City Winery, Thursday, January 31st at 8 p.m. Ooh la la. The Around the NFL podcast has trouble relating to millennials. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. That's my favorite ad read of the, the millennium so far. Spicy. At some point, Frags is going to get paid for all these voiceovers. Probably not, actually. Well, she can get free tickets to that show. She doesn't have to, you know. I told Frags, I said, hey, you uh, you want to come to the live show on Thursday night? <laughs> the, and uh, she's like, oh, I'm getting in on Thursday. I was like, yeah, do you want to go? That she changed the subject. Yeah. She's got I've, bigger fish to fry. Her ambition, I question her ambition because we live My in... My dog, Mark, with a C. We live in Los Angeles, the home of voiceover acting talent, stables of voiceover actors and assignments. And I've told her like a hundred times, as, as many others have, why don't you make serious, serious side cash doing this? You Guap. have the God-given talent. A, as to her response about coming to our show, no no response. No. No interest. Change the subject again. There's something going on it's, at this point. <laughs> Um, welcome to the Wednesday, the Thursday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Um, and um, if you were in the studio, you see that Greg and I dressed in all black. Erica facilitated a photo shoot or, or scheduled one today, told us all to wear black. Uh, Greg and I complied. And uh, Wes and Mark, not so much. Sorry, Ricky, we can't do the shoot. Oh, she's all in black, too. 
plum forgot. We, we. I apologize. I assume you do as well. I do as well. It completely slipped my mind. I, it's, I yeah. have no excuse. No, I know. It's okay. What's your level of disappointment? Okay. One to ten, Erica. I mean, I mean, it was wor- It was worse when Dan, you texted me, and said, "Oh, sweet, sweet, Erica, you should have reminded them." <laughs> that made me feel. Well, you still you're had so a chance. Right. You're you, so right. I sent her that text about like half an hour before the show. Yeah. You could have sent it at that moment. And maybe caught them. Half hour. They're probably here. Probably They're probably typing here. up articles and just killing Grinding. the game, you know? <laughs> but now we're your favorites, Dan and I. So that's that helps. Yeah. It puts you guys all in the tie. already the case, so. Um, today's show, a lot to get to. Um, Super Bowl 53 is a week and a half away. Rams and Patriots. So we're going to take a look at some unsolved mysteries around Super Bowl 53. Uh, but before we get to that, a lot going on in the league. So let's take a spin through the news. You're listening to Hot Bot and the Clothes Horse. Mornings on KNFL. Let's start with uh, the fallout, the continuing fallout around the Saints-Rams NFC title game and the blown call heard around the world. Nickel Roby Coleman didn't get whistled for a what looked like an apparent defensive pass interference, gave the Rams new life. They went on to tie the game and then win in overtime. Uh, you've seen stories about Saints fans filing lawsuits, putting up billboards in Atlanta, uh, the Saints owner Gail Benson released a statement expressing the disappointment with how things were handled by Bill Vinovich's crew. And now we're hearing uh, that there could be potential changes, Greg, in the rules coming off this, or at least it's going to renew or strengthen or embolden uh, perhaps a change in the rules after what we saw. Yeah, there's so many different ways that they could go, and it is something that's discussed often really annually at the league meetings in terms of expanding the rules. Bill Belichick for a long time uh, has proposed making every replay reviewable, which is seen as some sort of like far left or like extreme view that for whatever reason, the competition committee can't get behind. And that it sounds like they're not going to get behind it now. Stephen Jones and John Elway, who are on the competition committee, keep talking about a slippery slope. And, you know, in Rich McVay, where does it end? It's like you're writing the rules. You can decide where it ends. I don't get the slippery slope. I also don't think it's crazy to make every single play reviewable. As long as you don't increase the challenge challenges, then you have the same number of challenges, just more strategy in terms of what you're going to challenge. There will be more challenges. I know you say there won't, but there will be because – there are games where coaches don't use any challenges. Okay. I can live with that, though. Like, what's more important, getting it right? Entertainment's Be- important. Okay, then. And we if- know that's an issue because Al Riveron has mentioned it at our talent summits that the NFL knows it has a problem with too many flags. Yep. Too many refs get in the way of the game. And the flow and the rhythm of the game is very important. And I, I think we're going the wrong way on that. I, I do think, though, it's just priorities because they would never – think for a second to pass up a dollar of ad money and it's like you could you could skip some commercial breaks i mean anyone who's been to a game live knows half the game players are just standing around you could make halftime of the super bowl half as long but you're not going to because you're getting paid for it so if if we're willing to make the game a little five minutes longer for that i'm fine with it being four minutes longer for to get the plays. some of the fixes that make sense to me or if this were to be applied maybe not throughout the entire game but fourth quarter into overtime or final two minutes and then into overtime where you avoid because if this had, if this had happened in the first quarter 
the way football works, no one would care. You get over it's it, true. you deal with it. Lots but, of crazy calls did happen this right. But uh, it this makes, weekend. It makes no sense from about. a human and fan angle why everyone is freaking out about this call, as they should. The one thing I'd say about football in the NFL and the way that they look at the rules every year, baseball, and it's not a critique on baseball, but it's in a, it's in a fix because no matter what they try to do to speed up a game as people's attention spans shorten, it's hard to really do that with baseball on a wide, wide-ranging angle. Football has a way to adjust with rules. They've worked the last couple of years to make the games a little bit shorter, and I think the way that they treat commercial in-screen breaks with the action, that helps. They have chipped some of the moments off of, off of game length, but you have the flexibility to deal with these issues. This doesn't have to be an issue next season. And I think, Wes, I hear what you're saying, but there's a way to do it without making the game much longer if you apply it to certain parts of the game or it's simply just a challenge. It's, it's challenging. Coaches can't be trusted. To the NFL's Wait. credit, though, they are always trying to improve it, and I think they'll try something. And I think we're closer now on replays in, in everything than ever before. I, I honestly, and I don't think officiating is worse than it used to be. People, but that was like a big topic this year. It's like, it's always, they're always going to be missed calls. These are humans trying to officiate something that's almost impossible. And we have more replays now. That's just the Do difference. you remember the one season? I think it was maybe 2003 or 2004, if I'm not mistaken, when they took replay away. Yes. And then there was at the end of that year, I'm, I was thinking about this this morning. There was some game in week 16 or right, a playoff deciding game where they did not they could not apply replay. And something was so egregious that they immediately brought replay back because it was a totally. Are you experiment. referring to the John Kitna helmet game? Well, there was that. That was that 19, was that was 1998, and that led to replay coming back in 1999. I could have the timeline mixed, but there was a year yeah. where the replay went away, or a couple years, and then there was so many issues they brought it back. Replay was replay can be came into the league, I believe, in the early 90s, and then got voted out and was gone. And then after a couple of gaffes in 98, it put it back over. I think it's been in the league since 99, if I'm not mistaken. That you may be correct at this point. I don't trust coaches. When replay first came into being, it was supposed to only be used for the huge, important plays in a game. And I thought immediately, coaches are going to challenge a four-yard pass in the first quarter. And we saw, who was it who challenged they two do. plays in the first, first couple of minutes of the game and lost both of them? And they were ridiculous, like four-yard passes. You can't I, – I don't trust coaches – to do this and use discretion in other news uh, connected to this. So, yes, a lot of people are siding with the Saints uh, and and having empathy for the Saints and all that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Please with the politicians who are like, we're going to bring it up in Congress or like, let's declare a national state of emergency. And well, again, it's like, shut up. You get uh, enough yes. attention. National state and even more ridiculous is like, hey, the, the solution here, of course, is to. Start the game over right at that moment with a first down for the. It's like, shut up, idiot. Anyway, Andrew Whitworth was on the Rich Eisen show, and he, you know what? He's sticking up for his team because the Rams are, are, are really um, being discredited a little bit here, even though they have advanced to the Super Bowl. Here's Whitworth's comments about uh, the controversy surrounding the no call. You see the arguments from some of the Saints players about, you know, the, the rule about the commissioner starting the game over or from that point or whatever. My argument to that would be, Rich, is then Jared Goff got a face mask on the uh, second down right before the possession before that was not called. That would be first and goal at the one down three points. If you look at our odds from the one this season, that's seven points. So they'd be down four, and the field goal wouldn't matter. They'd have had to have scored in that situation either way. So the reality is, like, where do you want, like I said, where is the last foul that you want to argue? 
And whether it's like blatant or not, it's not a matter. It's whether it's a foul. So it's just one of those things that that's a slippery slope, and, and it's an excuse wherever you cut it. And the reality is they got the football after that snap. They played in overtime with the football. New England had the same situation and won the game. They didn't score. We did. We can argue about it all day, but they had, a, they had an opportunity to win the game, and we won it. That's fair. That's fair. Is it? It's totally fair. It's a bit of a false equivalency, a play where Nickel Roby Coleman admitted that he purposely fouled the player to prevent a touchdown versus, you know, grazing a face mask. But, but I also think... We it, saw a grazed face mask lead to a penalty that helped the Patriots in the later game. That, I, that gets also, called. Both of these are intellectually dishonest. Yes. Chiefs fans worried about the Patriots and not even mentioning the Sammy Watkins pick play is intellectually dishonest. Equating the face mask to the Nickel Roby... Coleman play is also just I, I agree with that. And yet it's a loser's lament. It's excuse. The excuse making part is what stands out to me. And I have, I appreciated that Drew Brees and Sean Payton, even though they were asked quite a bit about these calls, continued to say, because to me, they have kind of a championship winners mentality. They continue to stress the millions of ways that they made mistakes in that game and that they took accountability for the loss because you know, if you're going to be the best team in the, in the league and win a Super Bowl, go make plays, go make any number of plays after that to go win it. And I think that's how most of them really do understand. I think it's fans who understandably feel different. I think it's fair that Saints fans in this specific yes. case are absolutely going ballistic. But what if we were noble enough as a people where the voice for change and replay was just as loud from Rams fans. It's such a, it's such a fan thing yeah. that you have to deal with that it's the losing side that must have the war cry. When both football fans from both teams should see that that was a busted call. Yeah. You should see it and argue for that not to happen because it's going to be you next time. All right, let's move on. The Kansas City Chiefs have parted ways with defensive coordinator Bob Sutton. Uh, this comes a couple days after... Uh, the Chiefs fell to the Pats in the AFC title game. He took over um, uh, as he joined the staff when uh, Reed, Andy Reid took over in 2013 in Kansas City. Uh, he had been with the uh, Jets for 13 years before that in a number of capacities. The Chiefs, uh, Wes, over their time uh, with Sutton were never a great defense. And now that the Chiefs are trying to figure out what do we have to do to get over the hut, hut, uh, hump, I guess Sutton getting rid of Sutton is part of that plan. Yeah, I'm always hesitant to sort of have a strong opinion on offensive and de defensive coordinator hirings and firings because I, I recognize the, the limits of our knowledge here. I just don't know how capable Bob Sutton is. I do know that Mike Garofolo was telling us on, you know, our, our Twitter show yesterday that, that Tony Romo is calling out all these plays on air and it makes Bob Sutton look bad. <laughs> When he knows, he knows the adjustments that the defense should be making, but the defensive coordinator does. Well, they had a bottom six defense by football outsiders metrics two straight years. And I don't think they're bottom six in terms of total talent over the last two years. And I do think Belichick and McDaniels kind of point out that in, in the playoffs, especially, I think you need to have both sides of the ball that are able to adjust their game plan significantly from a week to week basis and a quarter to quarter basis basis that they, you're going to need coaches that can be flexible. And it seems like Sutton was not that Tom Brady knew exactly what the defense was going to do two straight weeks against Gus Bradley and against Sutton. I mean, it's it's another example, though, that like they they had been talking about parting ways with him, it sounds like for some time or at least it was on the burner. But 
when you get flamed by Tom Brady in overtime the way that you do on national television and you carve through a Chiefs defense as if you're operating against a Pop Warner squad, heads will roll. And it's not just scapegoating. It's like the, the other side to the overtime rule controversy that everyone brings up is stop the Patriots. No, you got to be the team that can do that. You're in your home field and you got eaten alive by the Patriots offense. Steve Spagnola uh, has emerged as a favorite. Uh, Spagnola, speaking of the Patriots, was the D.C. of the Giants when they uh, <laughs> dropped the 18 and one Patriots uh, years ago. But uh, he has yeah, been wandering a little bit in the wilderness since also in the wilderness. Hasn't been the same since. Also in the wilderness, Rex Ryan, who um, has been out of football and working with ESPN for a couple of years now. He's been uh, brought up as a potential candidate, but it sounds like Spags is the favorite at this point. We'll see how it plays out. Wasn't Bob Sutton Rex Ryan's right-hand man for a while? Well, it's the same, it's a very similar. It would, you'd be bringing in someone to run a very similar scheme when Spags runs a 4-3. You'd be, you'd be changing that defense from the ground up. I mean, that Rex Ryan report came from his place of employment, and they didn't say he was under consideration. They just said he was a name to watch. <laughs> just like, okay. Point taken. In other news, Carson Wentz is the quarterback of the present and future uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles, which uh, is good news uh, for Eagles fans. Wentz is a, a still a great young player. He's dealt with some injury issues. However, a report out of uh, Philadelphia, the Philly Voice, uh, cited some unnamed players um, saying some ni- not so nice things about um, Carson Wentz. Uh, and um, stars for the Eagles were quick to come to Wentz's defense. Lane Johnson, Zach Ertz, Fletch- Fletcher Cox amongst the chorus saying, don't listen to this. Hashtag fake news. Carson Wentz is a great teammate and a great guy, and we're happy to roll forward. Uh, Mark, that was the uh, roll forward with him. Mark, that was the right reaction for a team that wants the controversies to, to go away. I think so, too. We talked about this a little bit on the Twitter show, and I think that the today's NFL quarterback, you know, they dug into the fact that this was this were some of the quotes coming out of this piece, a piece that claimed to talk to more than half a dozen players and some sources, all who wanted to stay anonymous because they feared Wentz's power within the organization. First of all, there are, like, at any point, 50 to 60 players you could talk to. Five or six is not a sample size for this kind of a story. That would be my one, my one concern. But they kept rounding it back. They critique him as selfish, uncompromising, egotistical, one who plays favorites and doesn't like to be questioned, one who needs to practice what he preaches, fails to take accountability, and would complicate adding two plus two. So that's all fine. And some what of was that, that last one? They said that essentially he complicated the offense, which maybe that's something. There's something maybe to Instead that. Instead of He's just a young running what Peterson says to run, that he overthinks it right. and asks all these questions. I thought they were saying place. he didn't know two plus well, two. Well, they said he would complicate Well, he struggled one. on a state-mandated <laughs> math Apparently. test. That's why he went to South Dakota my one, State. My one thing would say that a lot of these, the mirror to these, ne- all of us have these negative qualities, that the mirror to them are also positive. And a lot of those talk to me about a quarterback that's learning, um, that's behind the eight ball after being an MVP candidate, who then suddenly watched the backup quarterback become the star of the town change the team's franchise history forever and then try to come back and get injured again and have the backup quarterback do it all over again. It's a tough situation to be in. And I think we've forgotten a little bit about all the good elements that made Carson Wentz one of the future stars of the league. All sources questioned for this article said that they wanted Carson Wentz to succeed. And I think my takeaway from this, there were two main problems that teammates had. 
Too often he didn't run the play concept as the coaches designed it, whereas Nick Foles did run it the way the coaches designed it. And his head got a little bit too big after the year before. But I, I thought of Steve Young because the first the first criticism didn't run the play concept the way it's designed it is a natural byproduct of running and escaping quarterbacks and late in the down improv quarterbacks. And Steve Young said he was exactly that way until he realized if I'm not running the play the way Bill Walsh designed it, my wide receivers are running routes for no reason. My offensive linemen are blocking for no reason. You have to be a good teammate and run the play the way it's supposed to be run. But isn't that just like, it's a necessary step for development right. and growth. Mm-hmm. Right. And he... Like it seemed like a big part of the complaint was all he did was throw the ball to Zach Ertz, so you could almost you could almost smell like who is it annoyed by by Carson Wentz that he's not you know getting the ball as much some some receiver this, or whatever. This was a tough year for Wentz. There's no doubt about it, and I think the best thing that can happen is be another full year removed from the knee injury. Hopefully, the issue that he developed with his back is nothing that's going to hold him back in the off season, uh, and Foles will be out the door, which is not a bad thing for Carson Wentz, who really needs kind of a clean slate, which I don't think he ever had uh, this year. No, I think that's true. And I think the way Foles led was real, that he really did kind of inspire his teammates. And maybe Wentz learned something from that. And I think the Eagles know it too. And it really sounds, I've been digging, asking some people about this. It really sounds like there's a bigger chance than I would have guessed that Foles is maybe going to allow the, Eagles to trade him that he would almost hand pick who they trade him to because Philadelphia, I think really wants to avoid him ending up with the giants or Redskins, which are two mm. of the three, four, five more, most likely teams to go after him. Mm. Larry Fitzgerald is coming back. The uh, wide receiver has signed a one year deal with the Cardinals 16th season. It will be uh, this upcoming September for Fitzgerald. He turns 36 in August. Um, Easily the greatest player in franchise history for the Cardinals. And he finds himself, Wes, um, at an age where he finally, even though he's been around some bad quarterbacks over the years, finally his statistics started to kind of fall off a little bit. He'd kind of been um, statistic fall off proof for a while. This year dropped to 69 for 734 and six touchdowns. Still nice numbers for sure. Uh, but he is in the middle of a rebuild. So it's commendable that he's, he just loves the game. He wants to be part of the Cardinals. He's not trying to go anywhere else, uh, but he's certainly not in the Super Bowl race this late in his career. Yeah, he's not been a number one receiver for a few years as far as playmaking ability. I mean, he's still got great hands, still sells out, gives up his body on every play. He's a pro's pro. Um, but I, he's second to Jerry Rice in a lot of stats, which is amazing considering Jerry Rice spent his career with Bill Walsh, Steve Young, and Joe Montana, and Larry Fitzgerald has spent way too many years mm. catching passes from jabronis with other jabronis calling the plays. <laughs> yeah, part of me was – That's a two jabroni uh, take right Can there. Talk to that's get out of that. One. I mean, it, I, I, he is so embedded in the community in Arizona. He's He's – the most famous player ever from that franchise. And so I get maybe why go somewhere else for that one year that maybe if you're not the best receiver is a forgotten year somewhere else. But why? I feel just depressed that he won't have a chance to chase a title with a, a contender. One season. Well, it's of very much his chance. No, I know. Yeah. I know. And he chose not to. Uh, that's, He's that's an all. institution there. Let's move on. Alex Smith spotted at a NBA game. Uh, the Wizards, I believe. He was uh, checking out a Wizards game, and he went down to the locker room, and his 
as you would imagine, there were reporters down there snapping photos, and he had a gnarly leg brace, uh, one of those uh, freaky ones where the wires are going into the leg, and it's just, you know, it's medieval. It's like the worst thing you'd want to have on your leg. I mean, it's I technically the farthest thing from medieval because it's like the height of modern <laughs> medical technology, but yes. That's the height? I figure they've been I'm using saying this like for it decades. I, this, this, I did some research on this. They've been using whatever this thing is where they, they connect the, the bone because they had the infection. So they had to take out the internal rod and then put on this medieval device that they haven't changed the technology of it in decades. Well, I'd it just still argue that outdated. even... All right, that's... And I know nothing about the technology <laughs> in itself, but... I read about Dr. But Chow. To, but to say that it's, you know, 20 years old or 19 years old still does not tug us back to medieval times, technically. <laughs> All right, well, it's figure of speech. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway... Long story short. No, I think let's keep going with the medieval <laughs> debate. That was good. Uh, long story short, uh, Alex Smith is not out of the woods by any stretch in terms of surgery and rehab. And uh, Bruce Allen, the Redskins GM, a day after Smith was spotted, um, uh, could only offer this at the Senior Bowl during a practice in uh, Mobile, Alabama. He's moving around and well on his way to recovery. It's a tough thing for him and his family. All the love and care has helped him quite a bit. We'll see how it goes. We're optimistic. If anyone could come back, it's Alex. I'm sure he wanted to shoot hoops at the game yesterday, but we'll see. His contract is guaranteed for this year, so the, the Redskins have every you know, motivation to try to help him along in his recovery. But by the terms of the contract, they actually have to guarantee his next couple of years by March. I would think they'll be able to work something out with the agent to put that date off, you would hope, or else they're in the spot where they kind of need to cut him. Because regardless, they can't really go into the season with him as their starter. They can't be counting on that in April or May. Colt McCoy is also a free agent. I don't know if they really want Colt McCoy to be their starter. So, I mean, they, they are a team... If Nick Foles was available or Teddy Bridgewater, whoever, Nick, Joe Flacco, I don't know. They, you would think they're going to be one of those teams at the top of the list going for these guys. I'll go a step further. It's not just that they can't count on him for the start of next year. They can't count on him to ever be an NFL starter level quarterback right. again. He's 35 years old. He was a problem for them competitively before the injury in that their offense didn't have any element outside the numbers and downfield. And it was easy to defend their passing game. So much of his game is his athleticism and running ability. And who knows what that leg's going to be like. I also think that if you're Jay Gruden, you can't think, hey, let's talk 2020. How about, you know, author a winning season right now or you're going to be the next one out the door? Uh, in other quarterback news, Drew Brees still smarting from uh, Sunday's loss. Uh, but he's not ready to quit. Drew Brees uh, said that that overtime loss uh, is not the end. He plots a return in 2019. Here's what Breeze said. I plan on being here next year and making another run out of run at it uh, via ESPN's uh, Mike Triplett. And uh, Breeze turns 40 or he turned 40 this month. And he had one of his best seasons statistically in 2018 and a year left on his contract, Greg. So none of this is particularly surprising. I guess you can only play the what if game. If they did go to the Super Bowl this year, if they won, would he feel differently? But that's not the case. He's he's playing so well that I and he loves the game so much. I think he's going to want to keep playing. There's no reason for him not to. And I think the Saints are going to be back in that spot where they've been a few times. I mean, the the report's basically been confirmed was they wanted to take Patrick Mahomes with the number 11 pick. Was that 
or 13. I mean, so that's a high pick. They were ready to start thinking about the post-Breeze era, and I think they'll be looking at this draft for quarterbacks too. Wes, like is the, there... Oh, go ahead, Mark. Well, I was going to say, there's been multiple drafts where we've gotten reports from Ian Rappaport saying that the Saints are, you know, fishing around for like a second-round quarterback as the era pair yeah. of threes, and these guys have come and gone. Jimmy G was Jimmy G was one of them. I mean, yeah. that's how long ago it was. Don't you have to take a long, hard look if you're Sean Payton at why the offense cratered and why Drew Brees' numbers went from MVP-like to about the worst quarterback in the league over the Whoa. last... Whoa, worst quarterback in the league. His, it's a his passer rating was like 70 over the last, what, six weeks? And, and I was there were gonna, no big plays down the field except the jump ball to, who was it, Traquan Smith or Ted Ginn in the last game? I was going to say, Wes, that at what point do those limitations with his arm strength really catch up with him? Because they were on display a couple times down the stretch of the season, and uh, he did throw. He had... Um, Dante Fowler right in his face, of course, but he threw the interception that set up the game uh, ending kick from Legatron. You wonder, is Breeze a candidate like a fall off the cliff candidate guy? Warren Sharp on Twitter posted a video of a hit that Drew Breeze took in the Thanksgiving Day game against the Falcons. And there's no way of knowing whether that contributed to what happened down the stretch. But he did play like a quarterback who was had a problem with his arm mm. or was injured in some way. Maybe it's his rib cage or his oblique can, and he couldn't get enough. I think he can work around his limitations though. You know, they sure ultimately the 17, 18 game stretch to me is the best way to measure it. And over those 18 games, they were third in the league in, in scoring and move the ball, but they might need the running game to be better. I mean, the running game did not show up uh, for the most part in the playoffs. The defense has really improved and I think that'll help them. Finally in the news, the London games have been announced. It's no longer the International Series if you're following along at home. It's now called the London Games. So what so the what about the Mexico game? That's its own thing. The, those are it's an international game. Okay. But it, the branding, <laughs> you see. Is shout out to VP Henry Hodgson, NFL UK Hank. Yes, there is a Mexico game, the Chiefs at Chargers. Uh, so they get another shot at it. Hopefully the field's in good shape. But the UK games, Panthers at Tampa Bay, Bears at Raiders, Bengals at Rams, and Texans at Jaguars. The games will be played uh, at the Tottenham Hotspurs new stadium and two more at Wembley. What is the... What is the, Greg, what ties these teams together? Chargers, Bucks, Raiders, Rams, Jaguars. Teams with uncertain home field situations. Right. Like temporary or they're not that are, great at They're selling. okay they're giving up great, a home game. Yeah, they're not great at selling tickets for the most part. That's, I guess, it. Totally okay giving up that home game. Not all teams. The Packers aren't giving up a home game. No. Yeah. No. The Bucks, the Jags, the Rams. The Raiders, the Chargers, eh, take a home game. Well, a lot of them also, now that I'm thinking, uh, have team, the the ownership owns soccer teams uh, in the UK. Mm -hmm. At least three the of Bucks. them. Bucks? Three no, of them. Do. That doesn't tie them all the together. The Bucks, Rams, and Jacks. But it's three of them. Point, though. Three it's of nice them. Nice point. I like the point, but <laughs> I was saying all five. Well, the Chargers are like, they really don't have like a. A steady home. I thought well, that was a nice nugget, home What? Nice nugget. It was fight. fine. It just wasn't quite what. It wasn't like Nancy Drew 2.0, but I thought he connected some dots there. thought it was more salient than the first point. Yeah, uh, baby. <laughs> salient. Salient. Uh, by the way. I put the salient to salient. Mark, I'm going to help you out a little bit here. <laughs> September 7th, 1986. Instant replay was used for the first time in a game. It was gone after the 91 season. It returned in 1999. Huh. Wow, it was out for eight. And then it never 
and I never no more went blips away. on the radar. No. See, my memory of I was I was in a pool hall, um, <laughs> like when when I watched this egregious uh, non-replay play kill someone's season, and I thought that it must have been. But you don't know who it was. That was back in dreams involved. That was when you were a hustler. This was, this was a four o'clock. <laughs> the decade. This was a four o'clock game. Um, what you know, decade do you think there. it was? Mark was just there. Well, the 90s, like, four in the afternoon. He couldn't even break the balls. Like he looked like he didn't know what was happening. No, and I would go. Like, no, oh, let's play against this guy. Fast and then cut, and suddenly, it suddenly is. I'd go to pool halls with other people and not even play pool. I would just like, hang, hanging around on the fringe and watch the football. But I don't even. But clearly, I have no memory of what of what else was happening at that time or, or that day. It's funny because you you don't. I don't remember that from the '90s at all. But it's because the camera angles in HD and every in replays weren't as good because they're just you didn't have the shots to even be filled with the outrage that Do you, know you have now. The, you know what I mean? The big difference between '86 to '91 and '99 to present, and it is significant. This is coming from our um, statistician slash researcher slash producer Erica Tamposi. Uh, instead of officials deciding when to implement a replay, coaches had the right to challenge. That was the change. Initially, the officials were making the decision. Don't remember that either. Which is strange. No wonder, no wonder like it didn't work. Whoever's, if Riveron stays or whoever takes his spot, that's the guy who should be initiating. Take it out of the coach's hands. I know. We're probably not going to get a Ron well, but how is how, how do they do that when, like, we try to write up three games at the same time, and I want, like, an assassin to take me out? How does Al Riveron <laughs> looking at, like, 12 games at the same time? I was speaking more for playoffs, but... All right, well, that works for playoffs. Um, we're probably not going to get Al Riveron part three at the uh, ah, talent. We don't know. I don't we know don't know. That. He's been in... You're probably not getting that assassin either, which is we're all thankful for. Expensive. How can we mention pool halls, pool halls without mentioning Dan's work at Lost and Found? <laughs> I sent, guy, I sent home a, a guy that was potentially a ghost. <laughs> Scatman Crothers, we called him. <laughs> he showed up. Um, he played there every day, every night at Lost and Found. With a, um, he brought his own stick and the leather casing oh, and yeah. all that. And he was like, Junior, you want to break some balls with me? <laughs> He's talking about pool. <laughs> and he thought I was just another Thanks. mark. And um, Sessler? I took him down. I, I, I buried him. And then he, he just floated out of there like, a, like some type of uh, apparition. apparition. Yeah. You broke him. <laughs> I broke him. I sent him to hell. He didn't have that much in his life. He and you to took away one of the bar. few things he had. He had to go find, he went to Hanano after that. <laughs> Clean up your remote control clutter in time for the Super Bowl with Control Center by Cavo. Plug in your streamer, sound system, cable, or satellite, even your game console, and Control Center does it all. Uh, don't fumble with different remotes or run out the clock with messy search results. Just say what you want to watch, and Control Center will take you straight there. One universal voice remote controls it all. So all you need to do is say, watch any given Sunday, the movie. And Control Center by Cabo will handle the rest. Be the MVP of your Super Bowl party. Mm. That's nice. Wordplay here I'm enjoying. With Control Center, so you can finally get off AV duty and bring the joy back to watching TV. Shop now just in time for Super Bowl Sunday and get 40% off Control Center with promo code AROUND. That's $59.95, 40% off regular pricing of $99.95. Control Center is available at caavo.com and Best Buy. Control Center by Cavo. One remote that does it all. Get ready. I have some breaking news. What do you got? A little man named Dowell Loggins 
has been hired as the offensive coordinator of Keith Hansis's New York Jets. Welcome aboard, Dowell. I mean, you guys get on me for the low bar of breaking news here. I thought about this one, but it had been kind of out there for a week or so, so it felt a little strange. Well, it did not happen. He was only granted permission in the last 48 hours the dolphins were, to speak to them. They wanted him. The Dolphins were not granting permission, and then they cleared it. What then, was the in-house tussle in Miami about that? Like, some were like, we've got to keep him. Got to keep Dowell around. Well, it's this ridiculous rule where Brian Flores can't become the coach of the Dolphins. So the Dolphins, I guess I'm assuming, are like, well, let's just keep some people in the building just in case things go sideways. Pat and Oswalt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hey, when you can get the gang back uh, together that created the 28th scoring defense in 2017 and then the 26th best scoring offense, I mean, rather an offense, uh, you got to do it. Mm. Very funny. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Really tired. Uh, Let's get to our next seg. This program is about unsolved mysteries. Whenever possible, the actual family members and police officials have participated in recreating the events. What you're about to see is not a news broadcast. Unsolved mysteries of Super Bowl 53. You saw that this show is coming back on Netflix, right? Yeah, some people reached out to me about it, said that, oh, you'd be interested in this. And yes, uh, I am. But one thing you can't overlook with Unsolved Mysteries and its original incarnation with Robert Stack from 86 to 90, whatever it was that it ran, was the aesthetic of that show, the time and place, the way it looked, the way it sounded, and Robert Stack's voice and, and his... Uh, the way he looked at front and center, that's not easy to recreate. Uh, did anybody see the uh, the reboot they did with that other guy? No. No. Nobody. They tried to reboot this show already. Mm. It's hard to get back what is already passed, which was that late 80s when people didn't really know things. You couldn't look things up. That vibe, the way the recreations looked, there's always kind of like a haunting element to it all. And then Stack just standing in a graveyard in a suit. I, the, you you nailed this one. How many mysteries are there in the internet age? Mm. None. You can solve most of them just with a click of your mouse. Did you know that Raymond Burr and Carl Malden uh, preceded Robert Stack. I did not. In initial car- initial incarnations of the show, because the first Unsolved Mysteries... Oh, it was like, a, like a special, right? It came right yeah. after the Giants-Broncos Super Bowl. And it was on late <laughs> at awesome. night, where if you were a kid back then, you were lucky if you had like a little tiny television in your room. And like I was watching the first ever episode, and it freaked me the F out. And I was hooked forever. Because there was always something... How old were you? Is 87, so... 87, I don't know. yeah. January 36 years old? No, I don't know. Like <laughs> a, um, a preteen? 12. Nobody remembers the Dennis Farina 2008 to 2010 reboot? No, but I remember Dennis Farina <laughs> was on, like, Wise Guy or something, wasn't he? Yeah. Another, One of those shows. We've all, we also lost Dennis Farina. He, he has moved on to the next life, whatever that may be. I know that whatever show Dennis Another Farina was on, my dad was happily watching that show. <laughs> to answer your question, though, Wes, I think there are plenty of mysterious elements in the world around us. Sure, but there are far there are far fewer mysteries now than there were. All right. Nice setup, boys. <laughs> now we will dig into some of the unsolved mysteries. I'll get this one going. I'll just start it out. You ready? Yep. Here's an unsolved mystery. Which Todd Gurley will we see on the first Sunday in February? 
you know, is it going to be the transcendent Hall of Fame caliber running back who has served as the face of the Rams offense in the McVay era? Or the Hammenager, bench warmer, riding the bike, suddenly on even footing or less with a street free agent during the most important games of the season. Everybody keeps on saying, <laughs> oh, well, he was hurt. He's tired. He got to get his conditioning. West, nice points by you. But, you know, and Greg's like, ah, what's the big deal? Like, they have about the same touches. I was like, well, how about this? It's Todd Gurley, guys. And he just disappeared from the game plan. Will he return? That's a mystery to me. I think he will because he matches up well with the Patriots. They've struggled all year. So now he's a matchup running back? In the, these playoffs, he he's has not been. himself. Like, why are we talking? Why? <laughs> this is the elephant in the room. Why are we acting like this is like October time? I don't know. Early? He made it. Here's the thing, though. He, he made, said he's healthy. He made a couple good. It's r- not the same as being in shape and confident. Like, I, what, okay, what do you mean con- in shape? What is he okay. like sitting on the couch for the past? Confidence is running back athlete. coming off a knee injury. Here's the thing. Co- confidence. It's been one a while. Thing. You can't tell me he wasn't explosive on that touchdown run against the Cowboys. Okay, so what about I mean, synchronicity? He, he's got some juice. Right, and uh, he's... You're part of the cover-up, Wes. I, I think You're part CJ, of this conspiracy. I think CJ Anderson has played great, and Todd Gurley started that game dropping passes and causing big-time problems for his team, and so that's why he didn't play, and I think his speed to the outside is what you can get, do well against the Patriots, and that's what he brings. Well, yeah, except that you give the Patriots two weeks to prepare for speed to the outside, and I, I don't, I'm not really buying into matchup problems for New England. At Suddenly, this point. the Patriots yeah. are like the greatest team of I, all time. They're going to win the Super Bowl. That's what Stop. they're going. That's well, already been decided. The last we two weeks, tell us the pu- they're the best team in the league right now. The last they two are. weeks, they have been. They've peaked. And they're from a coaching right angle, especially. well, the public agrees yes. with you. The the desert will take. Uh, a lot of we'll take a bath uh, if that happens because the the oh, the public has been believing in the Patriots. Stop talking about gambling. So Let's talk about Todd Gurley and his <laughs> okay. knee and whether he's healthy or not. I see, think you're, saying, you're both I saying two different back. things. Wes is saying this man is not right, and that explains all of this. Whether the knee is still banged up or his conditioning got messed up or whatever, he's just not the same guy. You're saying, Greg, that he can be the same guy. He's just having he a bad is the same guy, guy but the, it was a coaching decision to not utilize him as much because his skill set is more as an outside runner, which I don't quite buy. I thought well, he's like an dro- and, and the same guy, and as a receiver, which he dropped passes and struggled. He still played half the snaps. And I, I do think he just hasn't been as good as C.J. Anderson over the last month. I, I mean, C.J. Anderson's been great. He's the best skill position player in the NFL right, but, at midseason. He's obviously not the same guy things, right things now. Change. This is such an unsolved mystery. I think everything goes things back change. to health. And we're not hearing about his. We're, we don't have the truth on his health. Greg, you're up. <laughs> John T. You can lower that a little bit. Oh, I like that. How about the unsolved <laughs> mystery of whether Gronk goes out a champion whether he announces and how he's going to handle his the retirement question throughout the week are we going to know that this is Gronkowski's last game are they, is there going to are we not going to know and then Ian Rappaport reports it on the Sunday morning before is he going to get the Strahan or Bettis moment or something lesser like the year that the Patriots uh, held their celebration party, even though they lost to the Giants in 2012. And I was in my hotel room in Indianapolis hearing that music play uh, and then eventually watching videos of Gronk dancing at that party uh, the next morning. I hope that's not the way it happens. My guess would be whatever route is the least 
offers the least amount of drama to the Patriots that if you I just don't think that he wants to turn it into such a subplot or the team does where it's it's an issue. I don't think it would be either. I think we know he's going to retire, essentially, don't we? We think we do. I mean, that's where it's all pointing, but no one's really come right out and said it. He doesn't strike me as, oh, if we get nipped in the Super Bowl, I've got to come back and win another. He just doesn't. If they win, I think it's absolutely curtains. I think he's got like a energy drink empire to build and he's ready to do it. And his body is completely beat up. I know he's played really well. Um, he was an amazing blocker two weeks ago, and he was a nice receiver this past week. But his and body blocker, is still his two highest oh, graded games of the year blocker. by what PFF. Last two, amazing showing up blocker. for the playoffs. How Incredible many times blocker. can you go under the knife? Like, at, at right. what point does your body? I mean, it sounds like the guy. It's hard for him just to play football at this point. Um, so it would not be a surprise. If he retires, right? No, I think we're, I'm it's expecting that. I'm sort yeah. of, you're thinking the, how he does it. Yeah. How he does it, how it's handled during the week. And then certainly how it, you know, if they win or, or lose how, how it happens after the game, but it would be great to see him go out in a blaze of glory. Uh, sure. Mark, how about an unsolved mystery from you? All right. I want to know what from the wilderness evil controversy will be unleashed on the Patriots, most likely smack dab this Sunday morning with one dangerously long Super Bowl week to go. A controversy that forces us to reflect on Spygate and Deflategate while prompting 4,000 journos' heads to explode as their precious flock of pre-written think pieces are sent into the abyss forever as editorial desks around the nation dissolve into panic over this latest, latest Patriots false flag event, which is treated not unlike a third Gulf War. What Pat's controversy will arise, you tell me. Pour one out for Robert Stack. <laughs> I have a theory. Um, somebody will leak something time. The beginning of Spygate was, of course, the Rams Patriots Super Bowl. Yes. Um, Bill Belichick cheated and he taped practices um, of the Rams preparing for the Super Bowl, which allowed him to then um, short good, circuit one of the great sport. offenses of all time. Right. Leading to the first Pats win. Um, someone By the connected. Way, that was all nonsense. Someone connected to the those that videotaping scandal. Uh, these tapes under lock and key. I think we were told they were destroyed. They are going to show up. I love it. Well, uh, that's, a, that's like an unsolved it. mysteries update when they tell right. you what happened on the other end of a mystery. I thought they you were going to say prediction. like someone from that era is going to start talking. And I would say, well, that's already been solved. I think Mike Martz and Dick Vermeil are actually at podiums right now in Atlanta <laughs> speaking. There's no one there, but they're just complaining about the Patriots in general. And they're just waiting for everyone to show up so that they can talk about it. That's that's my prediction. I love that. The tapes will. Well, it, 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 it's a perfect yeah. like bookend. a lot of Mike Marts. Nice bookend. I'm smelling a lot of Marts this week. <laughs> who, who gets the tapes? Jay Glazer. Glazer. Uh, let's see. That's a good. That's good. Won't be Ian because it can't be anyone connected to the league. Right. Um, Shefty obviously is a guy who can get it. Glazer. He has so many. I'm going to go with Shefty. Shefty with one of the bigger scoops he's had in a while. It's big, big, yeah. big prediction by you. All right, Wes, you got one. Yeah, here's here's an old unsolved mystery. You know, going back over a decade now, smart people, way smarter than us, have said the way to stop Tom Brady is pressure up the middle, as if that's not the way to stop any quarterback who ever played. <laughs> uh, he hasn't been hit, and he hasn't been sacked in two playoff games. The interior of the Patriots offensive line is their strength. And now they go up against the defensive player of the year, 
and Indomitian Sue, who's playing as well as he's played all year. What happens? Not if, but when Tom Brady finally gets hit, because it's coming. Aaron Donald is not going to be shut out, and Dominican Sue is not going to be shut out from hitting Tom Brady. This is a guy who, for five years, we were astonished that he had reversed aging to the point where his pocket movement actually improved late in his 30s and early 40s. And this year, for the first time, we saw the opposite of that. We saw him flinch. We saw him turn his shoulders. We saw him shy away from contact. What happened? Now, can I offer that we have evidence um, history, as you say often, Wes, is instructive. When you do hassle Tom Brady, he is not nearly, nearly as effective. So it's not really what an unsolved mystery. Is. Are we going to see the... Well, last year, though, I would say they did a good job getting after him in the Super Bowl. He and had, they had to sack them once. Uh, right, but the they, they, were, the they were all over him throughout the game, and he kind of beat them anyways. Are we going to see the November Brady playing through an MCL injury, or are we going to see the guy who looks pretty comfy in the pocket? Right? I think the latter... It's tough to tell because he, I could, I the could, Chargers game, the game plan, like never allowed for him to get hit. He got rid of the ball so quickly last game. A lot of that was his own pre pre snap savvy. And some of it was the offensive line too, but he, what was it? 97 plays they ran. And he, he got grazed by Chris Jones's hand on his face mask. And that's it. <laughs> we're not, okay, getting, we're not getting MCL Brady. Is Brady on the injury report from, from that, that, Chris that shot Jones? to the face mask? I, you know, sometimes they don't reveal these injuries, okay. but I guarantee he's been feeling that. Mark has ever been since. reliving that play again and again for some reason. That Chris one's Jones? Stuck, stuck in your cry. That bothered me legitimately. It was bothersome. Uh, all right. One more round. Here's an unsolved mystery. What is Tony Romo going to do as a follow-up to the AFC Championship game? No announcer has ever received praise at this level. In real time. Maybe after a guy dies, you know, a guy croaks and all of a sudden, yeah. If there was the internet in the Madden days, he might have, but it just wasn't there. He was one of the biggest stories in football on Sunday. On a day in which both games to decide the Super Bowl went to overtime. That's, that's, That's a fact. Jack. And it shows us a couple things. One, how incredible Romo is at the job. It's just, you can't dispute that either. He's just a natural. Like the way Ted Williams was with the baseball bat in his hand. That's Romo with the mic. Number two, uh, how the viewing habits of fans have become more attuned to this type of stuff. We now, and, and, and as for all the ills of social media, uh, the fact that the communal nature of watching these telecasts Everybody likes to talk about Romo in real time now. So that it was like a perfect storm for the Romo love. But Romo knows this because he's been getting bombarded with interview requests and he reads all this stuff and his agents calling him and patting him on the back. What does Tony <laughs> Romo do for an encore? Does he potentially get a little bit, you know, nervous? Is it can his will his his performance, because CBS has the Super Bowl, will his performance uh, a week from Sunday suffer because of all the hype and just a, you know the the all the applauding of his of his performance? Will he suffer? I think he's a natural, and it doesn't enter his mind. Like he's not someone to second guess himself because it comes so naturally to him. And and I love Romo. I think he's the best analyst I've heard in any sport ever. Um, but I would say. People shot across Bob Costas's bow, by the way. Uh, he's not an analyst. 
People over, I'll accept the point. People overrate <laughs> his ability to predict when a play is going to happen yes, and, and underrate what he sees before the snap that the quarterback is going through as opposed to calling the exactly right play, I think. Like, my, my one area, if you talk about nerves, which I don't think he's really prone to the way that um, some do, some over-prepare, and they come in with all this pre-packaged stuff that they force down your throat. Romo doesn't do that. Romo right. lets the game come to him, which I think if it's a good game, you're going to get vintage Romo. The one area, if there was one little correctable thing, and other people love this about him, this is where I sometimes can could take it down a notch, is his excitement uh, is so up in the sky that it's like, all right, cool, chill just a little bit. But other, that's a very minor, minor critique because he is as close to perfect. I agree with Greg, though. I think if you had Madden... Back in the day when you realized when wait, he first this is came a, on when he, not when he became sort of ace hardware guy, you know, with his statements, boom, and all this, like when he was <laughs> showing you stuff and he was writing books as well that were teaching people about football in a way they never had. He was a teacher. And, and before he became, you know, the latter stages version of him, he would have been getting some of this, uh, this as well. Absolutely. Those early books are great, by the way. No, people always ask us for book recommendations of football books. And I never, we never think to recommend those. Early, the early Madden books are, are fun. There's no question when Madden came on in the scene in like 1980, he was hailed like Romo is now. To me, the one big difference between them is that Madden was an expert on the interior, on the trenches, and he would tell you things about the offensive line that people never knew. Whereas Romo's seeing the game through the quarterback's eyes just as fans are seeing it through the quarterback's eyes, and I think that takes it to another level. That is a great point, Christopher. How about Pat Summerall, an ex-player, doing play-by-play? Now that's... Countercultural. <laughs> that was. And he Frank, was great at Frank Gifford did a counterculture that too. Yep. Uh, Wes, give us an unsolved mystery. Is Nickel Roby Coleman ready to take the spotlight again? Because nobody can keep Julian Edelman in check in the Super Bowl. In any Super Bowl, this guy has been unstoppable because of his mind meld with Tom Brady, his quick cutting ability, his route running, his, his punt return ability once he catches the ball. Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib are too physically big to hang with Julian Edelman in coverage. They're not quick enough. On those route adjustments where you got to see it through Tom Brady's eyes, you need a five foot eight lightning bug jitterbug like Nickel Roby Coleman and he I think he's the only guy who can hang with Edelman wow. in coverage. Mm. Mm. The guy that in a full on panic like basically blew the <laughs> season for his team and got bailed out by two completely in over their head officials. I think I'm nervous about way that. Look at it. <laughs> Brady said they've played their best four games of the year in a row and in three of those they've and I think one of the maybe the number one reason other than Brady is is Edelman returning to his form. Uh, and he said it on his T-shirts, you know, bet against us, Dan, <laughs> to, to the point where you talked about it, his shirt so much that someone from his apparel company or he heard it on the podcast and he's sending us some bet against us. So maybe we can, all, sad is that, we can all wear that. We can all wear it at the Super Bowl. How, how pathetic is that, that that Edelman? I think it's great. What was I a, like it. a naked attempt to profit off the fans oh, on a completely... <laughs> Completely BS. Uh, you know this theory that somehow everyone was against the the Patriots. People were against uh, this them. Whether idea, they, whether they respected it no, or not, is different. And they were against. And them. if you're listening, Julian Edelman's people. <laughs> oh, here we go. You know what? We don't want your shirts. I want them. No, Ed we all want them. My kids sell out. want them. Everyone wants. Everyone them. wants. Our them podcast doesn't accept free things to curry favor. 
You do not even think about sending. I'm a men small. I mean, my kid's a four toddler. I don't know if you have any little ones, but I don't want your T-shirt, Julian Edelman. I don't want anything from you. I'll take yours. <laughs> Greg. Let's hear that music. I feel like we have so much time and place to talk about the game. I'm thinking more about off the field. How's A-Town? How is A-Town going to be as a Super Bowl city? And how is A-Town going to show up for us Thursday night during our live show? To me, that's the unsolved mystery that's most in my heart. What is that night, that experience going to be like? And in general, what kind of Super Bowl city? Because Atlanta gets a lot of a lot of heat as one of the great American underrated cities. I want to want to see if they come with it. One especially, early, especially Thursday night at City Winery. Is it going to be kind of a raucous Atlanta crowd? I think that's what they bring. One early favorable sign is that uh, we have listeners, one of them, Ian Smith, already sending along blogs and top 10 lists for uh, breweries, bars, and telling us which ones not to go to. Uh, if you go to my Twitter page, there is an article by Kyle Kasternak. <laughs> if you're a media person going to Atlanta, he lists his way to survive and thrive in Atlanta as a, That's as a great. drinker. And uh, who, who sent a, who's been sending us recommendations? Kyle I Smith? Uh, a fellow named Ian Smith. Ian Smith. Sent Thank along you, this article, and so he cares about us. You know? That's very helpful. Breaking news again? Dowell Loggins fired by the Jets four minutes ago. No. <laughs> what? Breaking news. My mom, who I'm not sure has ever listened to an episode of our podcast, I think she's driving down from Cincinnati and going to City, Win- City Winery Thursday night to watch it. Hello. Oh, this is Wesley? How this far of a West- drive is that? It's like seven hours. Oh, it's that close. Wow. That's She exciting. might fly. Who knows? She's retired now. Who knows what she's This is Wesley. Admirable. Yeah. Is it Debbie Wesley? Kate. Kate Wesley. Does she need, like, you know, someone to split the driving up with her? I feel like this could be a buddy road trip comedy. One of our listeners, your mom, heading she, down to the show. She's got six sons. <laughs> if, if you are in the Cincinnati area and you are driving down to Atlanta, you know, hit Wes up. Well, it's, I mean, Kate's been known to take off in her car from Cincinnati and drive down to Longboat Key, Florida, which is like 15 hours on her own. Wow. Island, I like know? that. So just on just a whim, a, she just hops in? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. She's not scared. Uh, one more. Uh, did you did you go, Greg? Yeah, you did. It was that, that was memorable. All right, here we go. <laughs> All right, the Atlanta thing. I agree, though. I hope it's a good town. It's gonna be cold. One annual unsolved mystery as we head into Super Bowl week. Also, like Greg's off the field. That's right. The over under drink count for Chris Wesley. We get it. He's a lot mostly a wine drinker now. Some yeah. of the shenanigans of old are gone, but what can we expect? Where do we set the over-under? How will an amped-up paramour affect the count? And what uh, if Marshawn Lynch were to tweet out another image of his cleats hanging cutely on a wire to announce his second retirement, <laughs> throwing Wes into a fit of rage when he is asked to drop everything he's doing to write a newser that perilously mimics what he was asked to write during Super Bowl 50? How about the X Factor surrounding a bus of bearded hoodlums from Huckapoo's descending on hot Lana and stealing Wes away into the night. What is the over-under, Mr. Wine Drinker? Well, can I ask a question before anyone even answers? Are we including his sojourn to Tybee Island that it's going to take place after no. the Super Bowl? Okay. No, no, no. Through what I would consider Monday morning or the end of any drinking on Monday 
uh, night into morning. <laughs> I I don't think I'm the drinker I was before cancer. No. Noted. No. I mean, first of all, I can't drink beer. Well, I could. It's just not enjoyable anymore. Um, but I also, I think I've learned a little bit better when to say when. And I do have to take my health into consideration. So there aren't going to be like, I don't think there's going to be a lot of like double digit nights. That's that why I think it's newsworthy because it, it, it marks what I would expect to be a, I won't, I won't say drastic because please. Do you remember London, Wes? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> there, are, gonna say <laughs> there are like aberrations you seen here. Me yeah. I was going to say, this is regular season Wes talking and regular season Wes takes his job very seriously. And uh, there's also off season Wes, which even post cancer, I feel like was maybe a little bit different of an animal. Now, Super Bowl week is in that strange purgatory in between. Not, it's definitely not the off season, but it's a little different. We're on the other side of Wes's prime as a drinker, and I'm I'm just blessed to <laughs> have been there. Decline. Yeah, the gradual decline has hit, and I'm I'm proud to have been there uh, for a part of that prime, which was enduring. It was Tom Brady and and it's and it's enduring uh, nature. Uh, but yeah, especially once you went away from beer, because that was one of my favorite things about. Uh, pre-cancer West that you were like one of those guys who could drink like 30 beers in one setting like Wade Boggs Wade Boggs flying <laughs> on a cross Andre country the giant yeah road yeah. trip you had that ability but when you're drinking they have they have a wine word. they have a word for that <laughs> when you're drinking wine and you're drinking uh vodka and things of that nature you just can't the numbers are not going to be as impressive I, I would say in my defense as far as Greg's word for it, where I come from on the west side of Cincinnati and Tybee Island, the way I drink or drank is not unusual in any way. I Maybe buy. Greg's word was judgmental. I buy that. Uh, uh, wait, but I'm putting the number at 100. For the week? Yes. That feels low. No, you take the under, definitely on that. 100 um, uh, if it's a hundred, you're not you're not in the minor leagues now. as a drinker. So we're not. I'm not buying that. Greg's word is probably what? right if you hit a hundred in Atlanta. Oh come on, yeah. Les, we're hitting a hundred. <laughs> I I almost had to like ask about the presence of Erica as another X factor because I think it does up the, Adam, the fun has quotient. A That's true. No, it adds more. She's fun also to having a um a dry January. Dry-ish. Yeah, so it's going to be Dry-ish terrible January. when I'm there. I can't wait. You're going to be like a college freshman that's never had a drink and just oh my God, it's unleashed gonna be on amazing. a... Wait, are you going to... Is your driest January include uh, Atlanta? Yeah, it, it's oh, over. Please. We're over. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. be real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she is like a, a lit match and y'all are kindling and she's just going to... Well, one... You can't drink as many wines as you drink beers because wines are stronger. Oh, certainly not. So that's a factor. That's true. Yeah, it's probably under. <laughs> I would hope so. Now we'll monitor. Not a good situation. If you drink 110 glasses of wine uh, when we're in Atlanta, you are Andre the Giant. No, you're right. I, I was thinking of pre-cancer me and beer. What about yeah. like vodka sodas, though? Like no. four or five a night? Here's the problem. I make my own Tito's at home. The math doesn't add up. That and like I don't 25. put a lot of Tito's yeah. in it because I don't enjoy the taste. <laughs> And then when I go to bars, it's like, holy crap, all you do, it's just straight vodka. So, I mean, you know, you'd be needing to drink like 13 glasses of wine a night. No, that's that not feels happen. Once again, that feels you remember improbable. London. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What happens in London stays in London. Yeah, Erica, Ricky. please. <laughs> okay. That's it. That's it for California shows before the end of the season. We will be uh, on a plane. Uh, this weekend, uh, all of us getting into Atlanta uh, on Sunday and Monday. And again, here's the schedule. Tuesday, our next uh, podcast. So look out for that from Radio Row. 
where uh, we'll be doing all our shows in Atlanta at the convention center. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, we will be doing a live NFL.com video show, which you can get. I believe it streams on the homepage of NFL.com. And we're going to have a ton of elite level guests. We, we could tease it. We could, can we tease them right now? I don't know if we should, because I don't know if they maybe. I don't know. These are some big time players. Well, well, you know what we can do? We'll do it on Tuesday. Just know a lot of big stars will be. Can I give speaking. some hints? Uh, drop a hint. Go ahead. Well, there are several all pros. There's at least one Hall of Famer. Mm. There's another Hall of Famer in another sport. <sighs> yeah. Well, there is some buzz that we may get a very uh, <laughs> genuine Rookie of the Year candidate as well. Ooh. Yes. And also someone whose name rhymes with a Badger Jadel. <laughs> No, I'm just <laughs> that's not true. Uh, so we'll do three NFL.com shows that will stream on the homepage Thursday night. Of course, our live show at City City Winery. Join us there. And then, of course, on Sunday night after Super Bowl 53, uh, after a 37 16 Patriots conquest, we will talk about New England's latest Super Bowl conquest. Stop. What? It's it's been foretold. The team is peaking. The Rams lucky to even be in the building. Let's face it. This is going to be a blowout. Should have been one of our unsolved mysteries. How are you how are you, do you keep the Patriots under 28 points by halftime? The way they've been Mark's right. The coaching has been incredible. The game plans they've been drawing. I mean, not just the coaching, every phase this team All right. Uh, it's juggernaut status. Uh, Taking it to the next level. And now again, no, now nobody's underrating them and you you have a problem with it. Yeah. Julian Edelman's people, send t your little T-shirts because I know you have a ton of overstock because nobody bought that garbage. Send it to everyone else. Dan. Send it to everybody else, but do not <laughs> even think of addressing one to the old Zeuser. I don't want it. Send Ricky, too. Don't sell me. Says the guy who locked him up. Mm. Hey, Julian delivered that lock for you. I got, I got the lock. I get it. If people are trying to sell me Steeler stuff, I would be throwing it right in the fireplace. Oh, but you would maybe give it to your hey. your friends or maybe no. homeless. I don't, I guess, I yeah. don't spread that. No, nonsense. Dan doesn't like the homeless. Can always though. use kindling. All right. That's it. We're on to Atlanta. They like that, Greg. Love it. <laughs> what a great life. Dan Hans is signing off for a quiet storm. The mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Whatever, Edelman. To Atlanta. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.